We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Canelo with eight. Matisse, another steal. Hands it off to Harris. Device back to Matisse. Pull it back out. Harden, trail three. Count it! Well, that's Sixers against the Charlotte Hornets yesterday, which was a thrashing, particularly in the second half. Sixers win by 30 at the Wells Fargo Center. Derek Bodner uh, joins us now. Derek is the proprietor, owner. What's the word I'm looking for? Sixers reporter with his venture, the Daily Six Newsletter. Derek, what's the title I should call you by? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Reporter works. There you go. So they went by 30 over Charlotte yesterday, so all of the problems are solved. Bring on the playoffs. Nothing to worry about, right? Oh, no, I have plenty to worry about. But oh. I, I worry about everything, but I think some of these might be justified. <laughs> okay, well, uh, let, let us start with the question of who they have in James Harden when he came here. It looked so great those first couple of days, first couple of games, and more recently it's like, wait a second, I'm not sure we got what we thought. What do you see right now? Yeah, I think he doesn't look, you know, I think when you go back to when he looks great and when he struggles, a lot of that comes down to how the other team defends him. And early on, you know, those games against the Knicks, the games against the Timberwolves, they were trapping him a lot on the perimeter. Uh, and that opened up his passing, uh, that opened up Joel Meade and his roll game and the short rolls, and that put defenses into rotation. And no matter what James Harden can do physically, he's still exceptionally skilled, exceptionally smart, and he sees the court really well. And then I think over time, teams started switching less and less. And you started to see them not switch. Or I'm sorry, they, they started trapping less and less. And instead of switching all of those ball screens on the perimeter. Started off with the screens with Tobias Harris and George Niang. And teams would switch that rather than trap that. So that way they wouldn't be put into a rotation. And then against Pistons, they were switching even the Harden and Embiid pick and rolls. And when that doesn't happen, it forces Harden to try to take a center. In this case, Isaiah Stewart off the dribble. And he just doesn't look like he has the burst that he had in previous years. I do worry or wonder a little bit how much of that is related to his hamstring. I go back even just watching to watching him last year when he was with the Brooklyn Nets before the hamstring injury. He looked like a different player physically. Mm. Uh, so I do think there's a little bit of hope that maybe next year he could be a little better athletically. But until that happens, he doesn't create off the dribble nearly as much as he did, and it becomes easier to defend. Yeah, that's. I think you put your finger kind of what on what I was wondering and what I was going to ask you about was his physical condition right now. Um, it looks to me, it looks to me like he's playing to, to some degree hurt. Um, now I, I don't know. 
you know, trying to compare him to the Harden that was an MVP and a scoring champ at Houston is probably sure. not fair because, I mean, there's, that, that was a while ago. So there's, you know, just age is probably part of it. But, um, you know, we knew that he had the hamstring when, he, when the trade was made and he came here. And I'm just wondering how much of that do you think is still contributing to what we're seeing in him now? Yeah, I mean, you know, Harden has taken a couple games off uh, to manage the hamstring. Uh, they have mentioned that they, it is still something that they are, um, you know, dealing with. He has mentioned that it is still something that has an impact on him. Uh, and I think based on what I've seen, I would take them at his word. And I agree with you. Like, it's part of it. It's just that he's 32 now. He's not going to play like he was when he was 27. The truth of where he is is probably somewhere in the middle of what we've seen and what he used to be. But I do think that the hamstring is, he just doesn't have the burst. He'll make a gorgeous crossover move on a center and just not have the speed to burst out of that and get to the rim. And even when he does, he's, he's struggled to you know finish at the rim. Um, yeah, I, I think he's not 100% there physically. And that, first of all, that obviously impacts the playoff run because the hamstring's not going to get better when you're playing every other night for weeks and potentially months on end, mm-hmm. but also you can't even really test that hypothesis until you give him what might be the most terrifying contract in league history. So it's not a, it's not perfect. So Thursday night after the loss, uh, when the bench scored five points, eight points, I forget, virtually no it was, points. Yeah, it was eight points with a meaningless three-pointer yeah. at the end, so That's we're basically it. saying five. Okay, so Doc Rivers is asked after the after the game, like, you know, what, what was the problem with your bench? And it certainly seemed to me that his quote – said it wasn't the bench, it was James Harden taking all of those shots. Uh, am I interpreting that correctly? And what, like, What's the message, what's the point of Doc doing that? Yeah, I mean, there, there's been some debate over whether or not Doc was saying, you know, blaming James Harden for the bench not playing well, or just explaining that James took all the shots so the bench didn't have shots to play well with. It sounds like we're splitting hairs a little bit, but I think when you go back and listen to the rest of that press conference, he was talking about how the Sixers were playing too much isolation, heavy basketball, too much hero ball. And when you put the two together, it seemed like a pretty fair conclusion that he was criticizing James Harden. Now, what's he looking to get out of that? I, I, I don't know. Like, if he yeah. gets into a you know, contest with James Harden, he's not winning that one. First right. of all, James Harden isn't going to change who he is as a basketball player at this point. Um, it does seem in, an interesting tactic, I guess is the way I'd phrase it. Y- yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. And, you know which, who has better job security of the two? Oh, Harden, for sure. For right. Sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and, and like I said, it would be one thing if, if those comments to the media would get James to change his style of play, but James is who he is for the most part. Like, yeah. maybe you can move him a little bit on the edges, but he's, you know, he's a pretty established player, for sure. Doc, I, Doc's news conferences are interesting because he often says stuff that I feel like maybe there's supposed to be a message there, but I don't get it. And this was one I mean, of I those think if, if I was going to boil it down in a little simplified form, I think it's, I don't like this heat that I'm getting, so... Let's respond to that. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I. It, it especially the two games. Um, and we, you know, Glenn and I talked about it last week, and I thought the two. I really kind of wanted to see how the game in Phoenix would go, and then the game home against Milwaukee, because to me, you know, those were going to be two games, regular season games that would have a playoff kind of feel to them. Uh, that's kind of what I expected. And I kind of thought this would be a good measuring stick for exactly where the Sixers are, and they wind up losing both of them. Now the Milwaukee game comes right down to the end, but. What, what what you're seeing now, and, and you saw it again in the Detroit game, which is just abysmal, was how much the Sixers were becoming like a half-court offense kind of team, kind of you know moving the ball up and walking it up, and then Harden setting the ball at the top, and then it, it became it became a very half-court kind of team. And when they 
when they're playing that kind of ball, Tobias Harris is like a non-factor. Uh, now, yesterday when they opened it up, especially in the second half and began running, you know, Harris played well. But um, I'm just wondering, do you think even at this point he's still trying to find his way in this new offensive configuration? Are you talking about Tobias here or James? Yeah, no, Tobias. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he's And he took a bunch of threes the other night against Charlotte. I forget exactly how many it was, but I think he set his certainly a season high with, I think, five made threes. That's not really his game. He can shoot threes, but he's not comfortable being a high-volume three-point shooter. And right now they're asking him to do that. That's where most of his touches, most of his shots are coming from. Rather than the pick-and-rolls he was getting earlier in the year, yet, rather than the post-ups he was getting earlier in the year, he needs to be comfortable shooting uh, a high-volume of three-point shots above the break. And I think he's done a little bit better of that recently. I do agree with you. They need to push the ball in transition, in part because that gives Tobias a little bit more time to get that shot off before the defense can react. And I think Tobias needs a second or two to get that shot off, but in part because it allows James to attack before the defense is set. If he can't have the burst that he used to have, going against an unset defense will help. Um, so, yeah, I certainly agree that they need to push the ball. I think they did a better job of that, certainly, against the Hornets the other night. Um, and I think it helps get Tobias into a groove, but I think he is still certainly adapting to his role. This is a very different role with a different skill set than he has played in the past. And while he's been an okay shooter, sometimes a good shooter, the volume of it is, I think, what he has to adjust to more than anything. Derek Bodner is our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at Derek Bodner NBA, Sixers reporter for the Daily Six newsletter. As we sit here at this moment, the Sixers, with five games to go in their season, are in fourth place in the East, but they're a game out of second place and two games out of sixth place, so it's very fluid. Um, let me get your assessment. First round of the playoffs, considering the possibilities, who do they want to play and who do they not want to play? Yeah, well, in terms of just first round, it gets a little trickier when you start trying to then project out to the second round. Um, but I think the teams that you would want to play are Chicago and, and Cleveland. Uh, they mm-hmm. have had a lot of success against both of those teams. Neither of those teams right now are playing at their highest level. And the Sixers match up well. Joel Embiid has, has had a lot of success against those two teams. Uh, the Raptors are on the other end of the spectrum, and the Sixers should have a clear talent advantage against them. But the Raptors are probably the archetype of a team that could make um, James Harden's life difficult. They have a lot of long, big, rangy defenders who can switch everything, and that's exactly what uh, Harden has struggled with so far. And also Nick Nurse is really creative in how he sends double teams to Joel Embiid's way. So that is the team. And again, the Sixers should have enough talent that they can overcome that. But if you're going to get into a, a series where – you're sitting there at home going, wow, that's really frustrating to watch. Toronto is probably that team. And then there's a wild card, the Nets, who are right yeah. now in the 10th spot, who would have to, if the season ended today, win two games to even make the playoffs, but are perhaps the scariest of them all. Um, so I think Cleveland and Chicago are the two that you want. That is interesting that you said that you said the Nets, because I think that um, that's kind of, Glenn and I have talked about that, and that's kind of how we feel. Um, I, I know there are fans out there that would love to see it be the Nets just because, and, and whether or not Simmons gets on the court. I mean, you've got that whole storyline to play out. But I, for the Sixers, to me, that would be a, that would be a matchup I would want to avoid. I know, I know, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful storyline. We could have a lot of fun debating it, whether or not Simmons plays. But I, I just think, from a matchup standpoint, that's not it. I don't want to be dealing with Kevin Durant at this point in the season. If I, any way I can avoid him, I want to avoid him. Yeah, and look, they you know that, that game a couple of weeks ago was worst case scenario for the Sixers. They played as bad offensively as you will see them play. Um, and I think if you had a seven game series, Harden and Embiid, like that's not the kind of defense that I think is going to ca- cause Harden and Embiid problems. The Sixers should be much more competitive than they were back a couple of weeks ago. 
but certainly, like, you just don't have anyone, not that anyone really does have anyone defend Kevin Durant, but you don't have anyone defend either Durant or Irving. You expect them to have a lot of success against you. That would be tough, for sure. For sure. All right, last one. Uh, Derek News comes out yesterday morning uh, that uh, Ben Simmons is moving forward with the grievance against the Sixers for what, $20 million. He's got the support of the Players Union. This thing can't succeed, can it? I don't think it will. Um, you know, I think it's something where they almost have to file it just to save face a little bit, and because I think the players' union wants him to file it for sure. But no, I don't think there's any real leg they have to stand on. But I, I'm not a lawyer, and crazy stuff happens, so we'll see. But no, I would expect that the Sixers should have the upper hand in this. Not that I really care too much about Josh Harris's money. I'm sure he's fine <laughs> either way. But as a precedent, you, you would you would not want to see this precedent set. And I think uh, I, I think a Sixers would come out on top. Yeah, I don't. I don't care about Josh Harris's money, but I don't want a guy who found every excuse not to play because he was insulted. Yep. In the end, play the mental health card and win. That uh, I don't want to see that at all. Derek, how do people subscribe to the newsletter? Easiest way: just go to Twitter at Derek Bonner NBA. Um, also, DailySix dot com. Very good. Thanks for joining us as always, man. Yep, my pleasure. Anytime. All right. Thanks, Derek. Well, there you go. Yeah, Ray, we didn't really discuss that um, grievance yesterday. It came out right before we went on the show because it just seems laughable. Yeah, that's how I felt about it. But as Derek said, you never you never know. No, you do never know. I mean, on its, on its face, you read that and, and you just roll your eyes and say, oh, come on. But, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, <laughs> who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, but, the, you know, I mean, there are many, many things about Ben Simmons that just drive me crazy. Um, some of those I've enumerated on our air. I believe uh, the look on his face tops the list. Yeah, but I mean, uh, to me, the thing that uh, I think I find most bothersome is the one that you just touched on, which is this whole mental health thing. I mean, to me, it's just uh, to me, it's just so offensive that he's using that as uh, to prop up his 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 grievance here, when in fact there are so many people in our society now that in their families and in their lives are dealing with true mental health issues. Uh, for him to for him to use that, um, I, I just find that, uh, that bothers me more than anything. I think, yeah, he probably. arrived late at it after trying, you know, several other things. It's, it's, it, it, it was not that right from the beginning. He said, like, you know, I've got this issue and so on. It's like it was, it was after they stopped his pay. It was kind of the last resort that he pulled out of his hat. Yeah, I mean, after or pulled after, out of something. Yeah, after he comes back and after he won't practice and he's standing around and yeah, with a cell phone in his pocket. Yeah, with a cell phone in his pocket, and right. Doc finally sends him home. And okay, and you go, you know what? If you don't even want to practice, we're not going to pay you. Oh, all of a sudden now it becomes a mental health issue. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I just have no, I just have no patience for that sort of thing. Patrick in Newark is with us. What's on your mind, Patrick? Hey, guys, I hey. totally agree with your assessment of Ben Simmons. It, it's almost like he checked out a long time ago and like played every card he could as if T.O. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that that's, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Like, and, and how much of it was how much of it was him, and how much of it was his agent, and how much of you know his, the, the people around him manipulating this whole situation? But I just find the whole thing distasteful. Yeah, it's pretty rough to like live through when like you're a regular guy, you know, like watching sports, you enjoy it, and this guy's, you know, making lots and lots of money, which you, you can't throw it all 
that right. money. They they got into business, and uh, no, I didn't. But you know, it, it's it's a little bit disturbing. Like when it you, is, it's it's not right. Did you have something on the flyers as well? Oh, oh, the flyers are a disaster. Um, they, I mean, they're going to be bad for five years. And the Sixers, who the heck knows? But I did have a game for you. Yeah, go for it. How about that game when Frank Wright came back from like down thirty-three points? Well, that wasn't what? within the last ten years. That was uh, that was a long time before then. I was at I covered that game for the Inquirer, Ray. I know you did. Uh, and Frank Reich was uh, the quarterback for the Bills, who were down to the then Houston Oilers. Mm-hmm. And what I'll always remember about that game is I'm in the press box right at halftime, and I don't remember the name of the guy. He was the traveling secretary for the Oilers, and he gets on the phone and loudly in the press box so that everybody around him could hear said. Yes, I'd like to book a plane to Kansas City. I think it was Kansas City. Next week for our party of 100. Yes, hi. And everybody <laughs> hears it. And then by the fourth quarter, he was sitting like in a row behind me. He gets back on the phone. He goes like, uh, yes, uh, can we uh, cancel that? Can we put that flight on hold, please? <laughs> yeah, I was, watching that. I was watching that on a TV uh, in the press room at the Superdome because we were getting ready for Eagles Saints. Oh. Which turned out hey, to well, be... That was the win, right? Which that turned out to be win? another big comeback game when the Eagles came from behind to beat the Saints. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, it was totally, oversh- totally overshadowed by what happened in Buffalo. Yeah. Oh, there you go. 215 592 9494 Ray Dinger Glenn We'll get your calls coming up in the next segment and maybe talk a little Tiger Woods. Ray, could it be? Now. Well, we'll start see. starting to look that way. Yeah. Ray and Glenn on 94 WIP. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Ray Dittinger, Glenn Mack. Now, we'll get back to the phones in a moment. Two things I wanted to bring up, Ray. And the first one, it's, it's like, I, it means nothing to you. I don't want to say it means nothing to you, but it's it's not going to really resonate with you, nor our producer, Moshe Kravitz, who was not a big watcher of Seinfeld. But for the many, many, many millions of us who uh, watched Seinfeld over all those years, um, the passing of Estelle Harris, who played Mrs. Costanza, Estelle Costanza, uh, George's mother, 
saddened me yesterday. She was such a great TV character. His parents were were just amazing um, on that show as secondary characters, um, Jerry Stiller and Estelle Harris, and she was. I just they were a big part of the show, and so I just wanted to mention that and and wish you watched the show so that I could discuss it. But that's okay. <laughs> no, I, uh, I'm familiar with her. I know I know her. I've seen her. She's and been an actress. On television and films for a long, long time. She's really, really good actress. I, yeah, I you know what I that. saw her in um, not that long ago. You know the uh, the gangster movie Once Upon a Time in America. Sure. Yeah, she's in that. <laughs> it's like a dramatic role. It was interesting to see. Yeah, in that. yeah. By the way, I, uh, speaking of uh, people who have passed, I, I meant to mention this last week, and I just wanted to acknowledge the passing of a, of a good friend of I think both of us. I mean, me for sure, and I think I'm sure you knew him was John Clayton. Yeah, um, who yeah, was, one of the best. Yeah, it was really a terrific football writer. I first met him in when he was covering the Steelers back in the Steel Curtain days in the seventies. Just I met John then. He was working in Pittsburgh, and then we became friends, and then saw each other many times over the years. And everybody, I think, he became kind of a national personage because uh, he went to ESPN and they created this character called the Professor. I know he became a. T- He's like the most unlikely TV star. I know, which I he mean, played he was, off of. They did those commercials where he, he's like, like a rock guy. Yeah, he did, and it was real. It was really funny. I mean, the commercial they did, you know, where he he has the long hair and the ponytail, and yeah. he's playing the guitar. And I mean, John got it. I mean, he understood that. You know, he he, he was sort of this funny Mister Peepers looking kind of guy with the glasses, and he was okay with that. But I, he he really loved football, and he really knew football. And I used to talk to John. John was one of my go-to guys when I was looking for information, um, and then went on and had a really, really fine career at ESPN, both TV and radio. And um, I was very sorry when I saw that uh, last week he passed yeah. at the at the far too young age of 67. No question. Uh, okay, so the other news that's going to be really interesting this week is Tigers lurking, Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, Masters begins this this week. And it's all buzzing about Tiger Woods, who is listed in the field. He has not yet publicly confirmed whether he's playing, but there are lots of reports that he walked the course this last week. Yeah, he played um, a practice round. Yeah, played a practice round. Now, you know, everybody knows he missed the tournament last year. He had the, that really horrific one-car crash back in February 21. Uh, but as you said, he he took a private plane to Augusta. He played 18 holes with his son. And um, ESPN's, Mar- I almost said Mark Schlereth, Mark Schlabeck, I don't know who that is, but reported that, uh, quote, Woods looked good walking the whole round, which, of course, is the consideration after the after the accident. At this point, it feels like he's going to play, which is a fairly shocking turnaround, all things considered. What do you think? Um... I saw a story yes, yesterday where he said it will be quote a game time decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's on his way to he's on his way to Augusta today. Uh, he was going to play another practice round today uh, and see how he felt. Uh, and what people have to understand is if you've never been to Augusta, uh, if you've never been to the National, um, it's it's a very hilly course, uh, and it's it. I mean, it's a lot of up and down. I mean, this is not one of those Florida courses that's flat, like a pool table. I mean, Augusta, one of the things that makes it challenging is is the undulation of it. 
Uh, and so if you're going to play Augusta, you have to, you're going to be going up hills and you're going to be going down hills. Uh, and the question really was going to be how will his leg tolerate that? You know, so he had the practice round this week, said he felt pretty good. Uh, he's going to have another practice round today, see how he feels then. Uh, and if he feels like he can compete, I think he will, I think he will tee it up and go. But if he struggles and he feels like he's going to go out there and not be able to make it or it's going to be, it's going to be a real struggle for him, then he won't. If I were to guess right now, I'm guessing 60-40 he plays. Well, no one more than well, – CBS has it, right? Oh, Nobody. God, the ratings would be Oh, uh, are you kidding me? If it would, that, yes. What's ratings would be double what they would be. Yeah, because one of the things they're in an, into golf right now is um, they're really in a transition now, uh, and they're looking for that next big star. I would say transition's a nice way to put it because they're really in a point where they have no marquee attraction. Yeah, I mean, eight, eight of the top ten players right now by the world rankings are under the age of 30. Mm-hmm. So you've got guys who can really play, but nobody knows who they are. Right, I mean, if, if I asked you right now, who do you think is the number one ranked player in the world? I have no idea. Scotty Schiffler. Do you think I, there's anybody has any wait. idea who he is? Yeah, he he's the one from American Pie. Uh, no, no, Schiffler's no? <laughs> no, mom. No, no, he's not. No, he's not. But he's a 25 year old kid from Texas who can really play, and yeah. he's, and he's been really good on the tour. And right now, he's the number one player, and nobody knows who he is. Yeah, and maybe listen, if he goes head to head with Tiger and beats him, that's how he becomes that guy, right? Right. Uh, and you have no Mickelson anymore because he, you know, consorted with the enemy. Right, Mickelson is has withdrawn himself yeah. from from the competition this year because there's just so much controversy surrounding him. Um, and so they're they're kind of look. I mean, you know, they got Dust. You know, Dustin Donson is 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 yeah, he's good. He's a top player, and you know, the, but the guy a guy like Victor. Victor Hovland, the the guy from Norway, is a great player, but nobody knows who any of these guys are. So they need to to get the casual sports fan to watch the Masters. You need a compelling figure, and the idea of 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 Tiger coming back this year with the, with the full galleries now. Remember, two years ago, remember there was no gallery, yes. and then last year there was the very limited gallery. Mm-hmm. You know, this year you're finally going to have the old Masters again with the mobs running up and down the fairways. I, and, I can't stand those people and the roar of the crowd and all that stuff. It'll I was be in back. The hole. Uh, yeah, 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 it'll yeah. be back. So I it'll know. be, and you know, Tiger. Listen, Tiger has not given up on the idea of overtaking Nicholas. I don't think he will, but he said that after the accident that he was going to pick and choose his tournaments from this point forward. The idea being that he was going to try to play the ma- the majors if he could because he's got 15, Jack's got 18, and it's for the years people just it was almost pre it was almost preordained. Well, he's certainly going to pass Nick. Yeah, he was he was on the path to do it. Yeah. yeah, and now he's at he's stuck at 15. So, if he can play, he'll play. But I think I think today's practice round is going to tell us a lot. Um, it'd be a hell of a story. I mean, it's it's, you know, uh, I I'm watching. Everybody'd watch. Let's go to Steve in Willow Grove. What's on your mind, Steve? Well, basically, um, the, the draft. Um, I was just reading an article this morning by EJ Smith, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you guys read it, but he said Eagles could benefit from sliders, and he has. I'm just going to take the top three here: Kyle Hamilton, the Kobe Dean, and Kevon Theobald. Theobald. Anyway. Mm-hmm. He's got criticisms, all of them, and I just wonder how you guys would respond to it. He said, number one, Kyle Hamilton, and I'm summarizing this, 
is too slow that he his uh, time is a four seven in the forty, and that will scare people off. On the Kobe Bean, basically he says that uh, he has trouble shedding uh, off blockers, uh, larger interior linemen, um, and again on Fubo, basically he said um, he's he, he's inconsistent. It's, it, yes. that, that's the knock on Thibodeau, um, that he's an in-and-outer, that he doesn't always play hard. Um, yeah, will they, will they slide? Look, um, Thibodeau is not falling out of the top ten. I mean, that's that's for sure. I, I think he's probably still going to be a top-six pick. Um, I, I would have some questions about him, to be honest with you. If I was picking in the top five, if you look at his tape, and I'm, his name's Kayvon Thibodeau, and he went to Oregon, 6'5", 265 pounds, pure pass rusher. Um, I, I when I watched him play, I always thought he should be a more dominant player than he was. Sometimes he would play the stretches where he was unblockable. I mean, he would take over a game, and then you'd see him the next week, and he was invisible. That scares you. I mean, if you're a talent evaluator and you're going to put um, a, a third or fourth overall pick in the draft on a guy, you want to see a guy who has a high motor. Thibodeau frankly doesn't. He has a lot of physical ability, but he doesn't have a, a great motor. So is he slipping a little bit? Yeah, I mean, there were people that a few months ago thought that he was the number one pick in the draft. I remember those, the early projections, sure. Yeah, nobody's saying that now. Nobody's saying that now. But will, but how far is he going to fall? I mean, he's not going to fall anywhere near 15. Yeah. Not going to fall. And, and the Kobe Dean, the knock on the Kobe Dean is, is his size. I mean, people are concerned that he's 5'11 and a half, which to a lot of people's reckoning is too small to be an impact inside linebacker in the NFL. I I don't believe that. I mean, I think he's got. Uh, tr- I think his instincts will make up for whatever he lacks in height. Uh, and he's a ferocious player. You talk about a guy who has a great motor. <laughs> you know, Nicobe Dean has a f- great motor. So, I, I, well, he'd fall. He'll, he'll fall because of the measurables. But I have no doubt that he's going to be a good player. And Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, there are questions about his speed, but I've never seen four seven. I mean, to me, the, the the number I see attached to him most often is four or five, which is plenty fast enough to be a safety. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, John is on with us. Hello, John. Hey, guys. How you doing today? Hi, John. Uh, talk about talk about a treat getting to hear Ray break down Augusta National. Man, didn't sign up for that. <laughs> well, I've been there often enough, and I've walked the course often enough that uh, – um, I know, I know what it's like, and everybody sees the the photography of it. Uh, but unless you've actually walked the course, like I have, you don't really understand how challenging it is to walk it. It is, it is a hilly course. It's a bucket list one for sure. One day, yep. but um, yeah, I wanted to get your guys' take. Uh, you know, if you asked me a month ago or read any mock draft, it seemed that David Ajabu was a, a surefire pick for the Eagles. The similarities to Brandon Graham, even before the injury, were, were very similar. And we all know about drafting guys with Achilles injuries. I just wanted to see. I, I, I feel the Eagles still have their eyes on him, and Barnett was kind of an insurance policy if they draft him. How far do you think he'd slide? And and what round do you think is a, a willing risk to take on a guy like that? Boy, um, I've thought about this because the Eagles have the three picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they might view one as let's just take a shot with this guy, you know. Let's just take a shot with him. Let's take two guys that we know can play right now, and let's take a, a shot with this guy that maybe, okay, maybe he needs a full year to recover. But when he recovers, maybe we got something really special. Well, you did that with Sidney Jones, and uh, 
I just, I just don't, I couldn't do it. But was I it could, the injury, or was it that Sidney Jones was not what you wanted him to be? Right? Was it that the injury kept Sidney Jones from being the player he should have been? Yeah, I think it. I, I think it did. I mean, you I, do. He you don't my, think it was, was Sidney Jones' own other family? Well, I don't know I, about the off the field stuff. I I can't speak to any of that. I mean, or his want to. Yeah, the, uh, uh, not off the field, but the drive, the want to, the yeah. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, all I can tell you is based on my evaluation of him as a college player, watching a lot of tape on him, um, I had him as my number one cornerback. I had no questions about his ability. Yeah. Um, then he, he blows out the Achilles, he comes back, and he looked like a totally different guy. Uh, he just never got it back. And that, to me, is, you know, it's a different position, but it's still, to me, it's an explosion position. Because what, what you want a Jabo to be, what you're going to be drafting him to be, is a pass rusher. And yeah. his whole game is about takeoff. It's about that first step. It's about getting to the corner, turning the corner, getting to the quarterback. That's all explosion. And to me, you know, explosion begins with the Achilles. It begins with the lower part of your leg. And I could not, in good conscience, invest a first-round draft pick on a guy who already has a torn Achilles. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't do it. No, no, second-round pick. But I think... You think he's going to go? Um, how high do I think he'll go? Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people think he's only going to first round. I don't. I okay. don't because there was because there was some question about it. Look, he hasn't played that much football anyway. Okay. You know, I mean, he he was he was born in Nigeria. He grew up in England. He you know he was Scotland. He came here. He didn't start playing football till like he was in eleventh grade. Uh, he hasn't played that much football. So you combine that with the fact that he's you know he's a two hundred and sixty pound guy with a torn Achilles right now. Um, if you want to invest a first round pick in him, good no, luck. No, second round, second round, second round. If he's there in the second round, would you take him? I would. Uh, I, you honestly no. Okay. I, I, if there's a player, it would have to be a situation. I look at the board. If there's a player on the board that I like better, yeah, I would take that guy. Okay. Okay. You I would. I wouldn't even really draft it. There's going to be guys at various positions that you're going to like in the second. Round. Yeah, that's kind of what my feeling is. If he was still there in the third round. Yeah. Then we could have the conversation, but rounds one and two, no. Got it. 215-592-9494. One more segment, then we got Phillies baseball coming up at you. Right, season starts in a week, Ray. Oh, you're excited. Come on. I'm thinking playoffs, Ray. <laughs> I know you are. Boom. Huh? First batter of the year, Schwarber. Boom. Hey, listen, Alex, we had Alex Coffey on earlier, and she didn't discount it. I mean, she thinks they're going to be good. I'm telling you, Ray, you and me, down at the ballpark, pregame, stick around, catch a couple souvenir home runs. It's going to be a good year. (laughs) I need it so bad. I do. Ray Dinger, Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. Ray Dinger, Glenn Macnow. We'll get a, another call or two here, and then we'll turn it over to Moshe Kravitz, find out what we forgot to talk about. Ed in Swedesboro wants to talk about the draft. What do you got, Ed? Yeah. I'd like to talk about the draft. Uh, my first-round draft choice would be this Davis kid out of Georgia. Oh, yeah. And I think if the Eagles do not pick him, it's going to be one of their worst drafts that they've ever missed a guy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, like that. I don't know that I'd go so far. Davis. He may go before they pick, and there are other players in the draft. Uh, I'm, I'm always not sure they're condemned to Dallas purgatory too. forever, but I do like him a lot. Would love to see him draft him. Ray, you had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with them down in Atlantic City recently. I did. Let's be true. Let's be honest. You were infatuated. Uh, I was. I was infatuated with him watching him play at Georgia. I was infatuated watching him play the game of football because uh, I do think he's a special player. I mean, six feet six, three hundred and forty pounds. 
who can really run. I mean, he can really move it. Uh, and he's a guy that stops the run, obviously. You can't block him. He stops the run game. But he's also quick enough and athletic enough that he gets you a big pass rush from the inside. Um, so those are – and that's uh, – you know, that was the case in college, and I think it's going to be, I think it's going to translate to the NFL. I think he's a big-time player, no question. I'd love to see him. You think he's going to be there at 15? Um, I think there's a chance. You know, I really thought after his workout at the Combine that he was so exceptional in every area – uh, including the interviews, uh, I mean, people came away very impressed that I thought, yeah, you know what, I think he's now moved himself into the top 10. But now, you know, we're into that same mode where everybody says, no, we're drafting edge rushers. You know, the def- interior defensive linemen will get them later. He's liable to drop. He's liable to be hanging around at 15 for the Love Eagles. It. They might have a uh, shot at him. Work for me. I agree with the caller. If they don't draft him, it's the worst draft ever or something, <laughs> whatever he said. John and Maniunk, what do you got, John? Hey, Glenn, just a quick another Buffalo comment. I'm glad they're not building a dome there. That's, uh, yes. That's the Buffalo, uh, I, that is not a town where you want to build a dome. You, the, 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 the elements are an advantage that they have. Don't give it away. Yeah, I got a top 10 uh, game, and uh, the Phillies went my top 10 game. I think Ray will remember this. 2013 Iron Bowl, Auburn uh, uh, catches the short field goal and runs it back for a touchdown. That was a great college game. That was Glenn's. That's the one I brought up at the start of the show. That was the one he brought uh, up earlier, which was uh, which, which sorry, was a I great wasn't. one. That's all right. I wasn't, I wasn't listening. To Not the a problem. That's okay. But, uh, uh, one more thing on the Phillies now. Uh, we're putting our money on Moniac. I don't really like that. I would uh, – you think Bryce Harper could still play that field? Because they, no. they just pick up the two edge outfielders. No, 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 no. Then who's your, edge, who's your right fielder? Um, uh, the, the guy from the Reds. Castellanos? Oh no! This this would be malpractice in the outfield. Yeah, it'd be a butcher, a butcher society. <laughs> yeah, and and you're moving Harper to a tougher spot. That's that's that wouldn't work. Now, um, there look, their defense is going to be challenged enough. If Moniak can't do it, you hope Veerling can play. If Veerling can't play, you go back to oh, oh, du. Mm-hmm. you know who? Yeah, oh yeah. Don't want to see any of that. Uh, last caller of the day, Bob and Mount Laurel. Quick, Bob. We got about thirty seconds. Good morning. Hi. Today, um, your uh, forecast for safeties earlier, Ray, yes. has taken me back more than 50 years to the draft where they've drafted my second most favorite Eagles player ever, Super Bill Bradley. <laughs> yeah, um, well, Billy uh, Billy had a great career uh, and set the team record for interceptions, led the league in interceptions twice, um, and uh, was, a, was a really, really good player. Uh, Eagles Hall of Famer and... Different type than Kyle Hamilton. Um, you know, Billy was five eleven. Kyle Hamilton six feet four. Uh, they were different, but they both had a both had a nose for the football and, and an entertaining guy. On those moments when he has called us, yeah, yeah, sometimes w- lucid. Yeah, yeah. All right, it is time to go to our producer Moshe Kravitz and find out what did we forget to talk about today, Moshe. Well, uh, some Eagles fans were overjoyed. This earlier this week at the news that Kelly Green jerseys will be returning in 2023. But it also came with the somewhat controversial news that the Eagles are adding black helmets to their all black jerseys. So whenever they wear those this season, we'll be getting that just for the 2022 season. I want to see what you guys thought about the black helmets and the Kelly Green jerseys. Oh, I'm definitely deferring to Ray on this one. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm all in on the Kelly Green. I mean, that's that's the color that I grew up with when I first started going to Eagles games, when I went up to training camp as a kid. That's what they were wearing. They were wearing the Kelly Green 
jerseys and the white pants and the silver and the green helmet with the silver wings. I thought it was the best uniform in football. So that's you know that that's my color, and I'm glad to hear them going back to it. I've never I've never liked the black. No, because the black was they were late to the black. You know, the black was the Steelers and the Raiders and a couple other teams, and then everybody got the alternate black. And to me, you're just the black was a copycat. So yeah. I, I'm, the black does nothing for me. A lot of people like it, does nothing for me. Yeah, I know younger people seem to like it, and I know it sells. And but to me, you know, black's not part of the color scheme right. of the Philadelphia Eagles. It, Kelly yeah, Green was. Yep. Mosh, what else? Uh, well, the Eagles missed out on another wide receiver yesterday. Devontae Parker and a fifth-round pick to the Patriots in exchange for a third-round pick going to the Miami Dolphins. Do you guys think the Eagles should have tried to pay more for Devontae Parker? By the way, his contract is pretty minimal by standard, pretty moderate, I would say. It's $5.7 million for the next two years per year, which is not really that costly. Ray, I remember the game where he torched the Eagles a couple of years ago, which is how I think a lot of people here remember him. Yeah. I think he's better than what you have, but I don't think he's a special player. No, I don't either. And I liked him I liked him a lot coming out of college, but his pro career has been very up and down, largely due to injuries. He has trouble he just every year he just seems to be hurt. Uh, he has those really good games, and you're right. He had one against the oh, Eagles. Killed him. Uh, yeah, and he, yeah. listen, he has that kind of talent, but he's had trouble. He's, he's had Injuries have really kept him from becoming the kind of player that he was capable of being. All right, Moshe, what else? Uh, well, the zombie runner, the Manfred man. <laughs> it is back for the another what? year. The Manfred man? Of, yeah, that's oh, another, another that. name that I've heard for the uh, ghost runner, zombie oh, runner, I the Manfred man. Yeah. Uh, but that starting extra innings with a man on second base is back for one more season. Uh, and, Ray, feel free to uh, express your disappointment. I hate it. I don't hate it as much as you. I, I know, don't hate it as I know. much as you're, I think you're more, I would. You're, you're more amenable to change than I am. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, I, so I like it for two reasons. One is the games are just too damn long, uh, and, and if you can shorten the game, that's fine. And then the second one is one of my complaints about baseball is it doesn't make use of things like bunting and running and those strategies. And at least this is one small moment where those strategies come into play. I can't tell you I love it, but it's not one of those things that I will launch a protest against. Yeah, I think it's a silly yet exciting uh, novelty. Yeah, I'm glad they got rid of the seven-inning doubleheader games. That, that to me, was, was not good. I thought you were a proponent of that. No. No, I was a proponent of checking it out, and then I like, no, I don't, I'm, I'm not. Uh, all right, time for one more quick one, Mosh. Yeah, uh, Bruce Arians stepped down, or retired, I guess, as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. He will be remaining in their front office, but this gave Todd Bowles an opportunity as he signed a five-year contract to be the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I wish him well. You know, I he did not... Um... He, you know, he stepped into a tough situation with the Jets, who are a horribly mismanaged team. Hard for any coach to win up there. I don't really think he got a fair shot. And people say he wasn't a very good coach. I don't know that he had a whole lot to work with. You know, Bruce Arians, I think, made a very good decision here. I mean, he decided he was going to. He he wanted to give Todd Bowles his guy. He coached him at Temple. They go back that far, and he felt like he had the capability of being a good head coach. He recognized he had a bad situation, handed to him with the Jets. Bruce Arians wanted to give him a good situation here. 
So by stepping aside and letting him take over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are a really good team with a great quarterback, Bruce Arians is trying to put Todd Bowles in a position where he has a better chance to succeed. Uh, and Bruce has had his health issues. We know that. Uh, I wish him well, and he'll go to the front office. And Todd Bowles is a good guy and a really good coach, and I hope that this time that he gets the opportunity to be a, to be a head coach because obviously the idea of having more African-American head coaches in the NFL, they need them. And uh, Todd Bowles is a guy that I, I'm glad he's getting his second opportunity. I sense a lot of skepticism from you on that, understandably. He did not do well his first time. Hey, congratulations to Douglas in Center City. We asked what is the best non-title game that you've seen in the last 10 years not involving a Philadelphia team. Ray, as much as I hated it, Bill's Chiefs was one that people will talk about forever. It led to a rule change in the NFL this season. Yes, it did. And yes, so it did. Douglas in Center City, congratulations. You win the $25 gift card to my Conchahokan Brewing Company with locations in King of Prussia, Conchahokan, Havertown, Bridgeport, and Phoenixville. Moshe Kravitz produced today. Great job by you, Moshe. Uh, Phillies baseball coming up. I think they play the, they play the Tigers every day. So it's Phillies Tigers uh, coming out to you this afternoon, which is always a lot of fun as we prepare for that season. Ray and I will be back next week, and everybody enjoy the day. Enjoy Phillies baseball right here on 94 WIP. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.